Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you. I will fight for you. And I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
You are entering the Rory Sauter Show, home of America's Man of the Hour and home of America's Biggest Trump Supporters. Climb aboard and buckle up your seatbelt because this is a wild ride. Nothing but unfiltered talk and the hardcore truth. Mega, mega, mega. weekend. I hope it was fun. I hope it was productive. I hope it all went accordingly. Uh, I had a fantastic weekend myself. Uh, God, and there was so much going on in the media. I will tell you, uh, it was a crazy weekend for news. A lot happened. There was a big day in the media just today as well. So we're going to be getting to that. Uh, First and foremost, I always like to take the beginning of the show to thank all of my sponsors, all of my guests, all my amazing co-hosts, and my amazing audience. Um, You guys are unbelievable. We are now downloadable and listened to in 22 different countries, and we are on over 60 online platforms. Again, that's 22 different countries we're listened to um, and on on over 60 online platforms. So, uh, So much to look forward to, and the show keeps growing and growing. It keeps getting better and better, and we're loving every second of it, and uh, Thank you all. You know, this is, this is incredible. So um, I want to welcome a lobbyist, political strategist, and activist, Josh Halabate. How are you, buddy? What's up, brother? Good to be here. Great to have you. You have a good weekend? Fantastic weekend. Everything, uh, everything went well, and obviously the, the news has been going nuts right now. I tell you what. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I also want to welcome on the show um, a, a very special guest. Um, historical and political blogger and founder of the factspaper.com, Pamela Adams. How are you? Hey, Roy. Doing great. How are you? 
Doing well. Good to have you here. Um, we got a lot to get into. Uh, I wanna I wanna start with um, Trump over the weekend. He was at CPAC, uh, gave fantastic speeches. Um, you know, his speech was over two hours. It was record breaking. Um, and you know, he laid out uh, so many things that are uh, matter right now, and uh, he established. Uh, you know, so many different topics and uh, a lot of the problems that are occurring in our country. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, having this guy uh, is unbelievable. The feeling is, uh, it's like Christmas every day you wake up, having Trump as president. I mean, we couldn't ask for a better gift. I mean, this guy is on top of things every single second. You know, he's making sure the American people come first. And uh, it's, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. We've never had a leader in our history work this hard for us and, and have all these accomplishments and, uh, you know, do this much for the American people. It's amazing. Uh, play this clip, though. President Trump, um, you know, he came out uh, swinging uh, on the stage, basically calling out the bullshit uh, Mueller investigation, which was hilarious. Um, here's the clip. It is right here. You guys got to hear this. This is awesome. They were coming from everywhere to vote. Those red hats and white ones. The key is in the color. The key is what it says. Make America great again. That's what it says. Right? Right? But we had the greatest of all time. Now we have people that lost. And unfortunately, you put the wrong people in a couple of positions. And they leave people for a long time that shouldn't be there. And all of a sudden, they're trying to take you out with bullshit. Okay. <laughs> the crowd loves it. I love it. No, no filter. Love it. Johnny. Now, Robert Mueller never received a vote. And neither did the person that appointed him. And as you know, the attorney general says, I'm going to recuse myself. <laughs> and I said, why the hell didn't he tell me that before I put him in? How do you recuse yourself? But the person that appointed Robert Mueller never received a vote. Robert Mueller put 13 of the angriest Democrats in the history of our country on the commission. Now, how do you do that? These are angry, angry people. You take a look at them. One of them was involved with the Hillary Clinton Foundation running it. Another one has perhaps the worst reputation of any human being I've ever seen. <laughs> All killers. In fact, it would have been actually better for them if they put... Half and half, and Mueller can do whatever he wants anyway, which he'll probably do. But we have conflicts. I had a nasty business transaction with Robert Mueller a number of years ago. I said, why isn't that mentioned? He wanted the job as FBI director. I mean, these are things that are out there. They know it. Why isn't that? And I didn't give it to him. Why isn't that mentioned? Jim Comey, lying James Comey, <laughs> is his best friend. James Comey is his best friend. And those are a few of the conflicts. Other than that, it's wonderful. So, 
So everybody's waiting. I thought it was this morning, Mark, and I heard you made an incredible speech and statement today, Mark Levin. I heard it was incredible. And I was on the way, but I'll see it later. I guarantee I'll be watching it later. I have one of the great inventions in history. It's called TiVo. I think it's actually better than television because television is practically useless without TiVo, right? But I'll be watching it later, Mark. And here is another one I want to play. Um, and I thought this was great. You know, he really puts the Green New Deal on blast and uh, really exposes the whole thing. Democrat lawmakers are now embracing socialism. They want to replace individual rights with total government domination. Perhaps nothing is more extreme than the Democrats' plan to completely take over American energy and completely destroy America's economy through their new $100 trillion Green New Deal. Quite a speech if you missed it over the weekend. And then I definitely want to play this. I thought this was awesome, too. When he brought, when he brought the kid on stage and he really put this uh, thing into, into perspective and, and he really put this on the line, um, the whole situation with the kid um, that got punched at the um, school at Berkeley and got assaulted, and this has been going on forever on college campuses. So Trump announced that he is officially signing an executive order for, to protect free speech on campuses. It is about time. Hallelujah. This is great for everybody. Uh, play this clip, though. correctness and every other attempt by the hard left to stop people from challenging ridiculous and dangerous ideas. These ideas are dangerous. Instead, we believe in free speech, including online and including on campus. And by the way, there's a young gentleman with us today. There's a young gentleman. I turned on my television the other day, and I saw somebody that was violently punched in the face. Violently punched. And I said, that's disgusting. By a bully, I'd like to do a lot of things, but of course we would never do that. Because if I ever said violence, they would say, Donald Trump attacked. No, no, no. Just for the media, I'm sure he's a lovely young man. Just had a little temper tantrum. I've been there before with those people. I don't want to do it again. So... The man's name is Hayden Williams. Where's Hayden? Where's Hayden, come up here, please. We're committed to making campuses great again. I thank you so much for bringing me up here to let me speak. 
it's, it's great. It's great that I'm being recognized, and uh, but there's there's so many conservative students across the country who are uh, facing discrimination, harassment, and worse if they if they dare to speak up on campus. So I'm glad that we could uh, we could you know bring this to the forefront. And uh, I'd just like to say you know if these uh, socialist progressives had their way, they would put our constitution through through the paper shredder in a heartbeat. So you know it's. It's as important now than ever to work at Leadership Institute and campus reform, you know, exposing these, these liberal abuses to the public. It's, it's, it's as important now as ever. And, and these, students, these students do it because they have a love of our nation and, uh, and, and freedom. And, and frankly, I love for you, Mr. President. So if you keep defending us, we'll keep defending you. Thank you. First of all, he can take a punch. Muhammad Ali could take a punch. He can take a punch. Because you weren't going to go down no matter how. That was a hell of a hard punch. He was a strong guy. But you know what? You've got yourself a great lawyer. I know your lawyer. She is a great lawyer. Just tell her to do me a favor. Sue him, but he's probably got nothing. But sue him forever. But sue the college, the university. Maybe Ladies and gentlemen, he took a hard punch in the face for all of us. Remember that. He took a punch for all of us. And we can never allow that to happen. And here is, in closing with Hayden, here's the good news. He is going to be a very wealthy young man. Go get him, Aiden. Today I'm proud to announce that I will be very soon signing an executive order requiring colleges and universities to support free speech if they want federal this past weekend I mean he was right on target he was he stayed on cue talked about every issue that's relevant right now in our country uh, you know completely um, I mean it was just you know the way he carries himself the way he performs 
It's beast mode. It's unbelievable. It's a miracle worker. I mean, this guy is something that we have never seen. I mean, nobody can do what he can do. He stands up there for over two hours like, like it's just another day at work. Like, like this guy, no script. I mean, all, all out, of his, out of his mind, out of his heart. Um, he may have used a teleprompter part of the time during it, but he doesn't need to. We've seen him for hours on end uh, speak just from his, from his soul and from his mind. And, you know, how, and, he, and he truly does um, resonate and connect with, with the voters. I mean, it's truly remarkable. Um, Josh, go ahead. You know, I think the best thing about Trump being our president is he is so freaking hilarious. I mean, he's the fu- he he's one the of the funniest personality, people. Man. Oh, he's he's hysterical. I mean, and he just happens to be you know one of the best presidents that the United States history has ever had. And it's, I mean, it's a great combination. And you know, uh, right at the end of that last clip that you played, I love that he was addressing the uh, free speech on campus issue because I mean, here's the deal: right now on campuses, big and small. We have an issue with, with only one side of an equation being allowed to really express themselves. Um, and, let, it's, and it's, you know, free speech is a lot less about expression. It is about expression. But it's a lot less about expression and a lot more about having the freedom to be able to say things, whether or not you feel like you need to express yourself or not. It doesn't matter if it's something – because I feel like the liberals have taken the idea of free speech and made it into – Oh well, we get to we get to say all the things that we need to say, and you know it, it, they use it as like you know a tool to either promote their their agenda or to tear the other side down. But then conservatives don't get to do anything with it. So the fact that he would address that is fantastic, and I mean a, a perfect opportunity to address that at CPAC. And, and what people what people a lot of people don't understand about Donald Trump is that he's authentic. He's real. You know, they're, they're, even though, you know, there, there's, you know, he speaks with no filter at times, that's who he is. And he's, you know, he's not being a puppet politician like all of these other, you know, uh, wimps in, in D.C. You know, all these other people are practiced. You know, they're, they have to watch what they say. You know, they're, they're very careful and they're, they're overly, um, um, you know, the way they do things, it's just overly ridiculous. I mean, they don't ever have it – looks like, it looks like they don't even relax. It's like Trump is always having fun. Trump is always, you know, delivering for the American people. He's always working every second of the day. The guy only sleeps four hours a night. And, uh, you know, he's just himself. You know, the media can say, oh, you know, he's uh, offensive, he, he, his words, his rhetoric. But no, that, this is who Trump is. You know, we, we hired Trump to be the CEO of our country. That's why we voted him in. You know, we knew that he had these jokes. We knew that he likes to, you know, uh, say what's on his mind. And, and that's why we love him. We love him because he's one of us. He's not speaking to us like a, like a puppet politician. He, he's not sle- sle- speaking to us like a D.C. swamp creature. He's speaking to us like we're his friends. You know, we're, we're, you know, we're, the, we're his people. And you know what I love most of all is he's all about we the people. In other words, he works for us, and he's very aware of that. In the past, it's been so many politicians and presidents that were only working for themselves and their, their own interests. So, you know, and, and let's, let's, let's be real here. The reason people are so terrified of Donald Trump is because they've never seen anything like him in Washington, meaning he's not controlled, 
He doesn't owe any special interest money. He doesn't owe any donors anything. He's self-funded. He makes his own choices, and that drives them crazy. They cannot control him. And that's, that is what's marvelous and amazing about his entire presidency, is that he gets to deliver for the American people on pretty much whatever he wants. You know, you know unlike other past presidents, they were controlled, unfortunately. Um, Pam, go ahead. Um. I really cannot be more excited about the executive order um, regarding free speech on campuses. Yes, yes. the most very important. This, you know what? It's such it's it's so much hypocrisy on these campuses with with this situation uh, from the liberal side, especially the liberal hypocrisy is ridiculous because you know liberals think they can speak their mind all day. But when a conservative tries to spread, you know, the, the Trump message and the conservative message, they, ended up, they end up getting assaulted, end up getting, you know, violence thrown on them. All this different stuff from the left that isn't condemned enough, isn't, you know, called out enough. It's, it's sad because if it's a conservative, it's headline news. So the fact that Trump is protecting everybody in this situation, I mean, you think about what this does, and it totally um, gets rid of a lot of these problems. And, uh, you know, obviously there's going to be colleges that try to fight them on it like Berkeley, but, uh, I don't think they're going to get very far. Well, the saddest thing about it is the fact that he actually is going to have to do it. This, that's and not he, America. And here, here's the thing I thought about as well. The, the fact that this is protecting both sides. And I was, I was really reading into this, you know, earlier and really thinking about this. The way this protects both sides, meaning you have liberals so often on these campuses that orchestrate uh, an attack, and then the news media will show the liberal getting assaulted and make the conservative the bad guy. So in, with this sort of exe- executive order, that kind of you know, squashes that, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, one thing that the liberals do say is, the uh, quote Trump rhetoric does incite violence. The problem is it incites violence in them. They're the ones who cannot control themselves. And they've been indoctrinated to believe that their feelings trump, no pun intended, the, the First Amendment. But the whole reason for the First Amendment is, because, is for offensive language, or for, I should say, right. offensive speech and offensive ideas. It's not there for people you agree with. You don't need the First Amendment for people you agree with. You need the First Amendment so there can be conversation. There can be different ideas. And somebody can say something that's offensive that you don't like. But guess what? You can walk away or you can turn off the radio station or you can change the channel on the TV. Right. Um, but it's the, the other thing that, that – I do think needs to be addressed is it's very important that we start on the campuses because that's where our, our young people are. However, I do think we need to be moving and looking into social media. Um, I just watched today a video put together by project Veritas and they Mm -hmm. interviewed a Twitter whistleblower. I don't know if you have seen this Rory, um, but she actually got some documents and shared them and Twitter fired her for it. Or no, I'm sorry, not Twitter, Facebook. Facebook fired her for sharing these because what it laid out is how they are truly, honestly, specifically t- 
targeting conservative speech and yep. specific conservatives such as Stephen Crowder. She gave great examples. Right. Um, and, and, you know, as a capitalist, I believe a yeah. company is allowed to do things like that. The problem with Facebook and Twitter and some of the others is yeah. they're lying and being deceptive, and they're not telling you that they're doing right. this. They're doing it behind right. the scenes and they're shadow banning people and they're taking their their sites down. They're deplatforming those people yeah. with other voices. Yeah. That is not it, correct. It, yeah, it should you know, it should be interesting this whole scenario, considering the fact that eighty percent of college campuses have liberal professors and a liberal curriculum and ideology that they indoctrinate the students with. So you know, mm-hmm. I wonder how that's gonna factor into the situation. Josh, what do you think? Well, I mean, I, I think it will. And, I, and, you know, to touch on this Facebook issue, and you know, Pam, like you were just saying, you, you know, you, you and I both support the, the, the liberty of Facebook to be able to make decisions on what they're, they, you know, what kind of content they want to allow on their site. But they can't sit there and act like they're not censoring it. I mean, that's the biggest problem. Mm-hmm. You know, the Amer- first off, the American people don't like being lied to. And second off, they can't. It's 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 terrible business practice to have half of your consumers of a product, and you know, being told something that's not happening. And you know what, Rory, you said something really interesting earlier about how, you know, this free speech, defending the free speech thing, is good for both sides. You know, that's the the most beautiful thing about what Trump's been doing so far is that all of his policy in, in action is good for both sides. He's not, in, he's not putting up policies as bad for both sides. Guess what? The Democrats may not like it, but the wall's good for both sides. It's good for the country. Yep. He's not doing things that are good for Republicans and conservatives. He's doing things that are good right. for the country like he should be doing. Josh, I'd like very, to piggyback very, on something you said. Um, yeah, go ahead. With, with, the Facebook, with the Facebook and Twitter, um, yeah. like the, college, the colleges are getting federal money, and they're doing this indoctrination. Yep. But in yep. the same regard, social media, Facebook and Twitter, they are getting federal protection because they have presented themselves as an open platform. They have yep. worked with the government, and they got protection. So if somebody puts something that truly is offensive, yep. um, like, I don't know, calling Jews termites, they can put that on there, and, and the government will not hold – Twitter or Facebook accountable because mm-hmm. they're just a platform. But here's the thing. They are going in. We got to go to commercial in 30 seconds. Okay. They're, they're going in and censoring and they're still benefiting from those federal protections. If they are not going to be that open platform and they're not going to be fair, then those federal plat- those federal protections need to be removed. Okay. We, we will come back to this. I do got to welcome our next guest though, after the commercial. Um, but yes, we will go to commercial and then we will be welcoming our next guest. Stay, stay put everybody back in 40 seconds. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, Skyray Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at Skyray Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. 
sign up at skyraysecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. All righty, we are back. Thank you all for tuning into the Rory Sodder Show. It is a beautiful Monday evening. We are coast to coast worldwide. Remember, we are listened to and downloadable in 22 different countries, and we are on over 60 online platforms, everyone. And in case you missed some of our uh, interviews or clips from today, always remember, you can visit our media site, thenexgenusa.com. Our next guest uh, is a very popular guy. I'm actually really uh, happy to have him here. Uh, First time on the show, uh, doctor, award-winning career coach, Education reformer and best-selling author, Dr. Marty Nemco. How are you? I'm well. Nice to be with you, Rory. Well, it's great to have you here, sir. Um, First time on the show. So what I like to do with all my guests when they come on the show for the first time and and make an appearance, you know, I like to have them tell me the backstory, how it all started, you know, the adventures, uh, the uh, just the roads you took and, you know, how you got here. So it depends what we're going to be talking about. Um, the how I became a career career expert, that kind of thing. Well, yeah, just all around. I mean, I know you're a best-selling author, you're an award-winning career coach, and you're also a doctor. So yeah, all that stuff uh, combined would be yeah. great. Yeah, I'm not an MD. I'm a PhD. But I guess the most interesting yeah. part is the uh, the story of my dad. I'm the child of Holocaust survivors, and my dad would rarely talk about it, and he. Um, and one day, when I finally was uh, not so narcissistically stuck in my own head, I said, Daddy, how come you so rarely talk about the Holocaust? And he said, Martin, the Nazis took five years from my life. I won't give them one minute more. He oh, said, wow. Martin, never look back. Always take the next step forward. Work is the path to healing. And that was very powerful for me, as you might imagine. And that's what drove me to be a career counselor. Wow. Wow. That is, that is quite something. Uh, that's Jesus. So uh, please elaborate. Please keep going. This is good. Well, and um, I also saw that many people, when you go to school or college or even graduate school, the focus is on teaching you academics that often are irrelevant to the real world because in order to get hired and promoted as a professor, and I was a professor at uh, a number of universities and including teaching at Berkeley, um, that very often they would graduate without any real clear guidance as to how to wisely choose their career path and how to land a job and how to succeed on the job, how to deal with things like office politics, bad bosses, ethical questions. And so it felt like being a career counselor would be a wonderful way to help people live up to their potential and indirectly then make help society. Because if, if a person ends up in the right job where he's happy or she is happy or success and successful and ethical, the whole nation, the whole world in some sense is better. And that's why I feel really good. I've been a career counselor for 30 years now and I have never had an intuition that I might want to change. I'm very grateful to be doing this work. Wow, that is, yeah, and 
That's 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 very uh, impressive. I have a lot of questions, obviously, um, and a lot of stuff to ask you. But yeah, I mean, if you want to, you want to keep going, man. I mean, there's so obviously you've lived quite the life. Yeah, but I, you know, I think our, your listeners are entitled to a conversation. So tell me about you, Rory. What, you, in terms of your own life Absolutely. or whatever, what are you really curious to ask me about? Well, just that, just you know, I always make it, you know, my focus is on the guest. Every time a guest comes on, that's my focus. I, I don't really make it so much about me, um, you know. But uh, I think the most important thing in, when you have a show is to make it about your guests and make it about the people that come on. And, you know, that's, I think that's really important. Um, I, I do have a lot of things to ask you, but I want to go to Josh first, my co-host. Josh, go ahead. Hey, how's it going? You know, I, I had a quick question. You know, you mentioned uh, the, the, you know, people coming out of college and having, you know, difficulty uh, getting jobs. They really don't know where to go with it. And I mean, I think this is also a problem that we have um, with kids coming out of high school as well. And I'm a, I'm a 20 year old college student, um, and, and I know that I have a lot of friends who don't plan on going to college, um, or or even the ones that do that have, I mean, zero idea of you know how to act in an interview, how to set up a resume. I mean, even how to act professionally uh, in any sort of situations. I was lucky enough to have some experience with that because of my parents, but they don't. Is this something you think that we should be teaching a lot more heavily uh, in in high school specifically, but also in college? I certainly agree. Let's talk about high school a little bit. I know that your show tends to be on the conservative side. And so uh, while I am not an unabashed supporter of Donald Trump, there is something that he has done very good that people, that the media will not talk about. And that is he is a huge champion of apprenticeships. And I think for the kids who are not academically oriented, who hated high school, who didn't do well in high school, apprenticeships offer a real hope for a middle-class living by doing most of your learning on the job at the elbow of a master and taking some courses to supplement that at a community college. So I think we we need to do a a better job of looking at apprenticeship programs for kids who are not academically oriented. And then to your other point about the, you know, this may sound silly, but, and maybe I'm out of touch. Maybe I've been out of, you know, out of touch from the, uh, the realities of how little uh, young people are aware of what would be required for an interview. But I'm a little optimistic to think that even anybody but the most lowest, low performing college kid knows that when it comes to an interview, you come dressed neatly, you're polite, you're on time. I mean, I don't think that necessarily needs to be a good use of people spending all that money on college to spend it on learning what is right. pretty obvious. And if somebody doesn't know those and, basic things, then I'm not yeah. so sh- you know they they're not so sure they're very employable. And I you know I wanted to ask you you know I I like I like what you're you know what you're saying a little bit about education. I've been saying you know for the longest time, and I think you'll probably agree with me on this, is that. Trade schools, you know, they, they didn't have trade schools when I was growing up. I'm, I'm 28 years old now, so the trade schools are still relatively new in the last about five, to, I'd say seven years. But I was long, I was out of college and high school at that point. But, um, but anyways, going going into this, I think this is really something that um, is, is in, it needs to be implemented everywhere in our in our school system you know there are 
there are trade schools, but I don't think there's enough of them. Because if you really look at the curriculum in today's society with a lot of schools and a lot of different programs, 90% of what you learn at these schools, these you don't need in your every, everyday real life, you know, in the everyday real world. But if you go to a trade school and go there to study, you know, a certain uh, job category and a certain uh, thing that you're good at and you know you want to you, you work on, it keeps your attention. I think that's so important because I think the biggest problem, uh, or at least one of the biggest problems in these schools, is that a lot of people lose focus and they, they lose because um, they lose interest. They're not nothing that they're reading or nothing that they're getting involved with at these universities is appealing to them. Um, you know, obviously people go to universities for certain things that they know they have to go there for, like being a doctor, being a lawyer. I mean, that's a given. But I also think there's a lot of people that go to universities, that actually there is, I know this, that go there not knowing what they really want to do with their life, and then all of a sudden they're in college debt uh, and just screwed over when they could have been going to a trade school and, you know, making it, uh, way easier on their life. What do you think? Well, I think that's a partial solution. Unfortunately, most of the people who end up going to trade schools end up uh, paying paying through. They're very expensive, and the financial aid is mainly loan. And so, but they, what about uh, what about the fact? I just want to say now, something. Now I'm going to ask you. Let, now I'm going to ask you to let me finish. Um, I go. They go to the trade schools, and they go into a lot of debt with kind of vague promises uh, that the trade schools make of good employment. And in fact, very often the employment statistics for their graduates, even assuming you graduate, are not as great as is often touted, especially when there is the community college, which is essentially free, which in many cases offer similar career preparation programs, although perhaps not in quite as condensed a way or maybe not as convenient hours or maybe not quite as easy to get the courses. But before I fully embrace trade schools, my advice that I would give to my son or daughter who was looking for real career preparation that, and is not academic would be to first look at the community colleges in my region and not the trade schools. Now, now let me ask you this about trade schools. Do you agree that um, you know, a lot of times, yes, they are expensive, but the reason they go, they're going to these trade schools because they can pretty much be, in a lot of ways, you know, nothing's ever a complete guarantee, but it's pretty much all, almost a guarantee that you're going to get a job graduating from a trade school rather than, you know, getting a useless degree from a university and they, nobody will hire you. You know what I mean? So even if it is expensive at these trade schools, it, it seems like these people have more than enough, uh, you know, different uh, ways to pay it back once they get their job. As I said, I think it's far from a guarantee. In many cases, I don't want to overgeneralize, but I think it's often enough not the case. And sometimes they will, you know, they will, if they graduate from the trade school and they get a job, mm -hmm. very often it's at low pay and they don't, they're mm -hmm. not able to pay back the loans. And as I said, many of the community colleges offer very similar programs. I'll give you an example. Here I live in Northern California, the San Francisco Bay Area. And there, is, there yeah. are trade schools yeah. that, uh, that prepare you to be an auto mechanic, and they cost thousands mm -hmm. of dollars. And there is also mm -hmm. the College of Alameda, which is free, essentially, a community college, yeah. which also prepares yeah. you to be an auto mechanic. So, mm -hmm. you know, while it may be that, you know, I know some, I've talked to some mechanics who found that 
worth going spending the money on the trade school because it was a more compressed program. You could take the courses. But many others have gone to the College of Alameda and also become mechanics and not had to pay a penny. And so why not take a look first at the community college option? Because there really are no guarantees of this employment, yeah. let alone decent employment as you employ yeah. Now, now you now you call yourself an education education reformer, and and I get that, and you sounds like you have a lot of good ideas. But let me ask you this: What would be your your whole objective and your plan at this moment right now? What would you do to to reform the education system if you had it your way? I'll say a few things. Number one, um, I think the problem is most teachers are very well intentioned, uh, and they try hard. But just like, you know, I've played basketball my whole life, but I'll never play basketball for the L.A. Lakers. Uh, And, you know, and I can barely touch the rim. I'll never dunk, let alone dunk backwards. And so, you know, in the same way as I'm never going to be a superstar basketball player, neither are all the nation's 40,000 teachers going to be superstar teachers. And yet we live in an era of very widely available broadband and video on the Internet. And there is no reason, especially for hard courses like algebra that really are a stumbling block for so many people, that instead of the random assortment of thousands of teachers, some of whom are great but many of whom are not great, we find a team of the finest, most transformative algebra teachers in the nation, maybe even in the world, put them in a room for a few weeks to divide up the course and do, uh, create an amazing online course so that everyone, rich and poor, from Maine to Arizona, are going to get world-class instruction instead of the usual assortment. I call them super teachers. And if we want to add the personal touch, you can have a teacher's aide in the room, which is a lot less expensive than a teacher, to, to answer questions and provide the personalized touch. So if, there was, if you put a gun to my head and said, what is the one innovation you would do, I would take, especially for difficult-to-teach courses, I would replace the nation's worth of teachers with super teachers available on interactive video online. Very nice. Very good. Um, what else would you do? Keep going. I like this. Elaborate. What else would you do? What's the next thing you do? Uh, the next thing I would do would be we send too many kids to college. We make kids feel that they're second-class citizens if they don't go to college. And so we, yeah. produ- we send everyone, as many people as possible, to go. And frankly, we're being especially unfair to people of color because there's, we're so interested in what's called virtue signaling that we're being good liberals and not racist. So we, the high school counselors will push all children, not all, most children of color especially to go on to college, even if they hated high school and were not good at it. Far wiser to whatever your race, whatever your gender, whatever your sexual orientation, to take each kid and say, where will he or she likely flower the most? Will it be an apprenticeship program? Will it be working at the elbow of an ethical entrepreneur? Would it be in self-employment? Would it be a community college? Would it be the military? Would it be a four-year college? Would it be a prestigious four-year college? Would it be an open admission four-year college? We would really embrace the full range of options for high school kids, which would result in fewer kids going to the universities and dropping out with a mountain of debt and avoid professors dumbing down their courses because we have been study after study that show that despite four, five, even six years as an undergraduate, a frightening percentage of students grow little or not at all in the important areas of critical thinking, reading comprehension, etc. So the second edict I would I would impose would be 
Only kids who are truly qualified for college have the potential. I mean, if they're on the margins, well, fine. Let's, if they want to go, we'll err we'll on the side of letting them in. But we know from past tremendous amounts of years of experience that students, for example, who had C-plus averages in high school and scored it below the 50th percentile on the SAT, we know their chances of graduating, even if given eight years, is very low, and not to mention what's called the opportunity cost, what they could have been doing with the time and money had they been in an apprenticeship program, had they been working at the elbow of an ethical entrepreneur, had they been in the military and learned hands-on instead of the abstraction of the university. Yeah, and what, what would you do? What's the third thing you do? Third thing I would do would be I would take a hard look at the amount of testing we're doing. We're doing too much testing. Unfortunately, for better or worse, we don't like to acknowledge that most of us are, we're like, we're half, roughly say half, half genetic and half environment. In the, mm-hmm. in the same way as no matter how much I tuned up a Volkswagen bug, it's never going to beat a Porsche. There are many kids right. who are not going to go and become academic superstars. And we know that early on, and they, the amount of change in kids year to year is really, on average, very small. And yet we're testing yeah. kids constantly. I would reduce yeah. the amount of academic testing and focus much more on creating really high-quality interactive instruction, whether it be with a live teacher augmented by wonderful, the wonderful interactive software that's available or with the super teachers he, I mentioned earlier. Here's the billion-dollar question. Ready? This is the billion-dollar question. What would you do to fix the student debt problem? Uh, I do think that we, the universities, have spent a fortune, the amount of bureaucracy, and I have to say on diversity. I think I read recently, I've got the number wrong, but it's something like $60 million a year at UCLA alone for a, a diversity bureaucracy. And I really believe that the amount of benefit to the students and to society is very small relative to the amount of the bureaucracy, not just in diversity, but everything else. And so I would absolutely reduce the bureaucracy. I'd reduce the country club campus concept where they're building fancier dorms and fancier gyms. And instead, I'd have the the students be able to use community resources, the community swimming pools, the community gyms, um, and live in in, in very basic dorms, which would allow the the campuses to dramatically lower costs. And I could even argue for a campus-free campus where most of the instruction would occur in people's homes that would be rented out to faculty members because if I am working outside of my home, my house sits empty all day. And if I could rent yeah. it out to a, to a university professor to have students come to my home, the students get to have a homey classroom experience. I, as the homeowner, make some money, and I don't need to have this big fancy campus. So there's dramatic right. ways to reduce the cost of college, which would have then, of course, in turn reduce student debt. Okay. Wow. Very, very well said. Um, Josh, go ahead. And I'm going to go to you, Pam, after Josh. I have to say, I love everything that you're saying, and here's why. I've talked to uh, Republicans and Democrats on the idea of education, and the thing I hear specifically, I guess, from Democrats is they always want to throw more money at the situation. Now, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I was homeschooled my whole entire schooling career from K through 12, and I didn't step in a, ca- a classroom until college. Um, so, and believe it or not, I actually have a, an extreme passion for education because I realized, realized in my own life, even though that I was homeschooled, how important it was. 
Um, and, you know, the, I, I guess, the, the, you know, Democrats always say that, and a lot of times they want to just throw money at it, and they don't want to come up with solutions like, like you just came up with it. I even – I talked to a, 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 someone who was running for a, a U.S. Congress in the area that was a Democrat. I went to one of his events. I was talking to him. I was like, how do we fix – I mean, you know, you talked about education. You talked about how you're so interested in education. How do we fix it? And I'm like, you know – and a lot of Democrats just say, throw money at it. You know, what's something else you got for me? And he just was like, well, you know, a lot of Democrats say to throw money at it. And, you know, it's kind of cliche, but we need to throw money at it. Everything's underfunded. And I was just like, well, I haven't heard that before. You know, I guess talk about the idea of how there's everybody's just talking about how education's underfunded. You just came up with a bunch of fantastic ways of fixing education that honestly you could do with the funding we had now and possibly even cut funding. Exactly. America spends, depending upon which survey you believe, spends number one or number two in the world on education. And yet we have scored 25th uh, below lots of, if I remember correctly, below Italy and below Croatia, etc. Um, money is not the There's a lot of ways in which we really have a very bloated, I call it the edu blob. We really have a very bloated education system. And while I am well aware of income inequality, and at some point earlier on, the teachers' unions served a very valuable function because they were dramatically underpaid relative to what they do. But now, because the unions have such a stranglehold over education, teachers are actually, despite what the NEA and the AFT, the unions, uh, say, are really quite well paid given that they, the average teacher's SAT score is the lowest among any profession. They work 177-day school year. They get out at 3 o'clock, and yes, they have to correct papers and do other things and attend workshops, but they are hardly underpaid. And after two years in most districts, they have lifetime tenure and a very full benefits package, including a pension, full health care, and everything. And so, and, and yet, if they are a teacher who is hurting kids, after, you know, some teachers who are good for, you know, they maybe the first year they were weak, but in the second year they've gained their sea legs and they're doing a good job. But now they have tenure for life, and teaching can be very hard, especially in challenging schools in what we politically correctly call gritty school districts. Um, and after 5, 10, 15, 20 years, they can feel very burned out, and they're hurting kids. They're punitive to kids year after year, but the union protects them. So I really think that an, uh, another thing we could be doing that would ultimately save money and improve education would be to limit the power of the unions, especially the teachers' unions at this point, that have such a stranglehold over innovation and choice. Uh, it hurts well, me that even when, there, when there's an attempt for experimentation with charter schools, the unions fight against it because they just want to protect jobs. They say they care about kids, but they really care about protecting jobs and, and making sure that the tenure exists and that pay is good and full retirement and full benefits. When people like professors... We very often will work part-time temp, no benefits. People who are very well-educated are working part-time and temp. Radio show hosts, as I'm sure you're well aware, can make next to nothing. And yet these teachers who have the lowest SAT score of any profession, on average, of course, there's always exceptions, have a really quite in this era of a gig economy where so many workers are working part-time temp at crap wages, the teachers relative to other professions have it pretty darn good and i think kids are in some sense suffering for all the reasons i just outlined well i mean you're absolutely right in regard to the unions i mean here's the deal unions were extremely important 
you know, in, in the 1900s in our country in, in creating the way that labor works. But the problem is right now with unions, and especially, especially the education union like you're talking about, the teachers' union, it's, it's not – they're not – they have nothing to push for anymore. So now they just push for more and they protect teachers who like you said like you said are potentially hurting the students. So when you when you have nothing to fight for anymore, you you just fight for more just because you can, you have no reason not to, and unions protect people who are not working uh, maybe as uh, you know impressively as someone else is, which I mean not only hurts the student but also hurts the way that that you know they come off and look to the public. Absolutely, and, and this one I, I completely agree, and uh, uh, it's something that can't be changed though because the you know the union dues are used in part to support political candidates who support the unions, so they've got a stranglehold over the whole system. And, uh, and, you know, imagine you were a child, and now you've been assigned to one of these burned-out teachers who's now punitive and mean and under, underprepared for classes, and you can't get rid of them. You know, you legally can. If I spoke to a union person and said, we have due process, of course, you wouldn't want to deny that teacher due process, would you? But they've created such an onerous due process that the principal has to take such an enormous amount of time. To, for, to document all that's necessary in order to try to get rid of the teacher, and then the union, with its phalanx of lawyers, finds a way to say, well, he missed this, he didn't cross this T, didn't do that, that I, and in the meantime, a lot of the times, the teacher ends up keeping his or her job, and what happens is the principal in frustration says, all right, we'll just transfer to another school. So there are other kids who suffer as a result. I really think that it is, it is ultimately, uh, and you can't blame the unions. Their job, they collect right. the dues. To to right. to advocate for their teachers and protect jobs, yeah. but in terms of uh, the common good, what is good for humankind? I'm very that is yet another thing that I I think would be if I were the emperor of education, I would not eliminate unions, but I would right. take a hard look at providing a more balanced approach to union and union and management. Wait, let, let's go to let's go to Pam. Pam, go ahead. Hi, Dr. Marty. Nice Hello. to join us. Thank you. Um, I actually was an algebra teacher in the 1990s, and I can so completely relate to what you and Josh have been talking about. It, you couldn't be more accurate. Um, now, I kind of went through my life. I had a couple careers, and now I'm back to being a stay-at-home mom, but I'm still I'm a student, but I'm also still a teacher of history and facts with my website. So I research things and share that, and I do have some somewhat of a passion with um, the World War II and the Holocaust situation. Um, a couple years ago, and I was in my mid-40s at this time, a couple years ago I went to a Holocaust Remembrance Day, um, I wouldn't call it a celebration, event, and my uncle spoke at it, and he actually was in a unit that liberated Gunkirk and Logan. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with that particular um, starvation camp, but he told some pretty horrific stories. And as someone who, this was my uncle, I grew up with him, I never heard that story. I never heard what he saw and what was done to people. And this is this is kind of more of a personal question for you, but um, today we are having people – call others Nazis 
in a in a flippant um, a, a term to insult them. But yeah. have we lost what the true meaning of that word is, where it comes from? And do you think we've done a disservice to our kids by not really teaching the truth behind what happened at the Holocaust, who the Nazis were, which was the National Socialist German Workers' Party, and now our kids, the ones who are calling others Nazis are the same ones. Take it out of context so much. Yeah, and, and the same kids that are calling mega people Nazis are the exact same children that are embracing Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie Sanders who are preaching socialism. Um, so I was just kind of curious as, you know, a child of Holocaust survivors and, and pretty intimate with, with that. What is your feeling on that? Mixed. You're going to be surprised. Um, I grew up in, in Flushing, Queens, um, and I grew up knowing a number of Holocaust survivors, and they seem to divide into two groups. One group would always go to Holocaust remembrances, and that when my mom would invite people over to the house to play cards or whatever, some of them would be talking about the Holocaust, and they were living in the past. But the ones who seemed to be emotionally healthiest did not play victim, did not look back to the past, and did not say, woe is me. They said, how can I move my life forward? How can I take the next step forward? So I think I'm worried at this point about the schools, if anything, too much focusing on each different ethnic group's problem. The slavery thing is a never-ending discussion. The Chinese who built the railroads, the oppression of them, the oppression of the, of the Japanese in the internment camps, the Jewish Holocaust survivors, the, the Latino and racism and racism and racism and racism, which ultimately ends up being disempowering. I think we'd be wise, and I think some adult who calls you a Nazi, you know, I don't think education about World War II is going to change that. They just, they'll pick another name instead of Nazi, they'll call them whatever, schmuck. Um, but I think the wiser thing to do is to teach empowerment, real empowerment. Right. It doesn't come from holding yeah. placards, it doesn't come from slogans, it doesn't come from your yeah. race, your gender, your sexual orientation, yeah. it comes from accomplishment. It comes right. from using your now, basic talents and your hard work to do a good job. And that's where real self-esteem comes from. And the final thing I want to say is too often we reduce, instead of having intelligent, thoughtful discussions, polite agreements and disagreements, is which is how we move society forward, we are reduced to name-calling from the left mm-hmm. and the right. And the media is unfortunately the worst fanner of all of the flames. They incite people to be to play victim, to be to to call other people names. I I watch CNN and I just I cringe, and that's all I want to say about that. I, I do, hey, I want to. You're, you're absolutely you're absolutely right on. Go that, ahead. And I do think they use that term because it's an easy way to shut other people down and say I don't yep. have to listen to you because I view you as that group. Um, like and you're right. It is. Yeah, exactly. If I I call you a racist, that shuts down the whole conversation because nothing is scarier in this in this day and age. If I say that's racist, that stops everything. Exactly. It's not a not a clear-eyed conversation, and that's not good whether it comes from the left or the right. You're absolutely right. Thank you. And here here's some here's something that you know really um, is a problem in America right now. And I want to ask you, Marty, how you feel about this. Trump put an executive order into, into place that basically protects free speech 
from both sides on college campuses to prevent violence, to prevent, you know, problems, uh, and to prevent all the different uh, dramatic events that keep occurring. What are your thoughts on that? I really think there I am conservative. It seems to me, I know, I believe in my heart that all wisdom does not reside left of center. There is wisdom on the left. There really is. And there's even a part of me that thinks that the the big enemy of the right, Ocasio-Cortez, there is some legitimacy to some of her positions. But there is also wisdom from the right. And an education is supposed to expose the students to the full range of benevolently derived opinions. And we don't do that. There is almost a litmus test in terms of who gets hired to be a professor on a college campus. And you almost have to be a leftist. And that is ultimately not healthy for anybody. Mm-hmm. I would very much like to see more di- real diversity, not diversity of melanin, but diversity of ideology. Very, very well said. And uh, you're absolutely right. And I'm sure, you know, I, I have a couple guests to introduce, but I, I, have, one, I have one guest to introduce. I want to welcome to the show, um, economist, uh, public speaker, best-selling author, and professor of finance at Stockton University in New Jersey. He's also for a writer for Town Hall, Live Vet, and a couple other big news media outlets. But he's a, he's a conservative professor. Uh, Dr. Bussler, I'm sure you have some thoughts. Uh, hi, Rory. How are you? It's always my pleasure to be here. Um, and you're right. Uh, college campuses are, um, as, as you know, are overwhelmingly the professors are liberal. Um, I teach at a university in uh, New Jersey. It was started originally as a liberal arts college. Um, and it uh, maintains that liberal arts sort of view. Of the 330 roughly faculty members, um, I found maybe three or four uh, that uh, have somewhat conservative views. The rest of them are very liberal. And what gets me uh, angry uh, is um, in, in, in college, while we're teaching specific subjects, Basically, what we we teach is critical thinking skills uh, so that college graduates uh, can learn how to think through uh, uh, situations and be able to make very good decisions. Well, uh, the problem with the liberal professors is they only present their side of the argument. Um, And it it, uh, gets me angry because if we're teaching those critical thinking skills, you should really present both sides of an argument and then let the students uh, figure out for themselves which side makes the most sense. Um, so yeah. with this whole liberal view here, they're really uh, uh, indoctrinating uh, these college students and, um, right. you know, I think create some problems into the future. Very true. Well said. Um, I, uh, I do got to go to break here in the next minute, but um, – uh, Dr. Nemco, before you go, I want you to please tell everybody about your book. Uh, you have a brand-new book out that's doing very well. Um, please tell everyone about it. Well, I'm grateful to have 12 books out. My latest is in the, you know, those yellow and black dummies books, Careers for Dummies. And I have another book, mm-hmm. the third edition of The Best of Marty Nemco. I've written 3,500 articles, including for Time, The Atlantic, etc., and the best 86 have been picked out. So you can just, you know, Google my name. You'll find more than me than you could possibly stomach. My name is Marty Nemco, N-E-M-K-O, Marty Nemco. 
Um, and almost all of my stuff is free. The books are inexpensive, but I have 3,500 articles all are on the net, like I said, from in all major publications. So anyway, Rory, I wish you the best. Subsequent guests have a lot of fun on the air, and um, I wish you all well. Hey, Mar- Marty, thank, thank you, you for coming on, and uh, please tell everybody where they can find you, where they can connect with you. Well, again, just good, probably the best thing to do is to just Google Marty Nemco. Okay. That way you'll find books, articles, websites, Marty, M-A-R-T-Y-N-E-M-K-O.com. Sounds good. And, Marty, uh, we'll have you back soon. I love talking to you. I could talk to you all day. Definitely a lot more things to talk about, sir. So I'll, I'll have you on in the near future. Thank you. Be well. Bye-bye. Take care. Uh, we're going to go to commercial. We will be right back. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the behind the scenes production. Everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. All righty, we are back. Um, got a lot to talk about, a lot to get into. Um, what a guest, though. He was fantastic, wasn't he? he? He was really just fascinating to listen to. Yeah, he was. What do you think, Josh? I like. I will say I liked how he wasn't extremely, uh, you know, conservative or Republican because I think it gave him uh, a little bit more of a middle road to talk about things like I hadn't really heard before. But the thing that I liked right. the most about what he had to say was he had actual solutions for the education problem. A lot of times people just want to either throw money at it or don't have answers. He had answers, which was incredible. Yeah, you're a- you're absolutely right. Um, he did. He did. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, I, I like that. I like the fact that, you know, he wasn't overly extreme and too far to the left, like out of control. Uh, you know, he was kind of somewhere in the middle. Well, maybe a little more left than obviously a little more right, but you know, that's still, you know, he wasn't, uh, um, extreme and and that's, that's the most important thing. Just a lot of times you'll have left wing people that come on, Sometimes, and I've had some on before that are just extreme, or, or whenever I see somebody in public that's left wing, you can't even have a conversation with them. You know what I mean? No, I mean absolutely. You're you're 100 percent spot on, and uh, you know I think the biggest thing that we can do when people are yeah. on that far left spot 
is either, let's be honest, get away from them, or, you know, because it's hard to talk those people down from a ledge. When you go that far left, you know, it, it just becomes difficult. Very, very true. Um, I do want to make a few announcements. Uh, I'm just looking through right here. Um, there's actually, this is actually pretty surprising and, you know, very refreshing in a lot of ways because these type of polls that I'm about to talk about, they are known to skew polls. So you can only imagine what it would be if it's fully accurate and honest. But the, the new Harvard Harris poll shows three in four voters. Again, that's three in four voters favor President Trump's America First immigration, trade, and war platform. Um, so imagine if that poll was completely 100% accurate and didn't skew anything. I mean, we would probably have four, four and four. Uh, but, you know, uh, the fact that a left-wing poll is giving that much, uh, you, you know, uh, satisfaction with good results, I'll, I mean, I'll take it. I mean, that's really that's sending a message. What do you think about that, Dr. Bustler? Did you read that poll? Yeah, and I've seen um, a number of, of other polls um, showing that um, many of Trump's policies um, yeah. uh, f- fare very, very well with the American voters. Right. Um, and right. the and Democrats, yeah. Yeah, and, and I just read that 3.8 million uh, people have dropped off food stamps as well. But continue with what you're saying. Go ahead. Yeah, you, you know, and, and – uh, Based on what happened today, um, it looks like the Democrats uh, who control the House of Representatives now really don't have um, any interest in moving the country forward and coming up with some of their own ideas uh, and trying to get some laws passed. Um, They they, they actually want records from, I think, 81 uh, additional people that they intend to bring in and question um, about, I'm not sure what, I guess financial dealings. I think what they're really afraid of uh, is the Mueller report is going to be out within the next week or two, and it's pretty much going to clear Trump of uh, no yeah. collusion and, and no uh, yeah. obstruction. So I guess they're, they're now pivoting instead of uh, trying to move the country forward. And uh, look, yeah. they, they have some ideas. I think a lot of them are um, a little bit, uh, too extreme for the country, but they do have some I- ideas, and uh, they they did win a majority in the House of Representatives, um, and you know they they should work on solving some of the issues we we have. They claim they won primarily uh, because health care was uh, the major concern, and the public wanted the Democrats in the House of Representatives to to solve that. Is what they claim. Yeah. Uh, if that's yeah. true. Uh, they should start working on solving the the health care right. issue. Remember the uh, the Texas uh, District Court essentially ruled um, Obamacare was no longer constitutional. Now it's going to get appealed yeah. up to the Supreme Court, but I, I think there's a real good chance the Supreme Court is going to say without that um, individual mandate um, that the uh, law is unconstitutional. You're forcing someone to buy something. They got away with it before because they said uh, the penalty is really a tax, but that now goes away. So um, mm-hmm. if Obamacare is ruled uh, unconstitutional, why aren't the mm-hmm. Democrats starting to work on something 
better to put forth. Um, and um, instead of doing all these 81 or 82 people, they want to investigate about who knows what. Yeah, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Um, we are going to come back to all these conversations. I do want to welcome um, political activist, public speaker, and best-selling author, Megan Fox. How are you? Hi, Rory. Nice to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Good to have you here. Uh, first and foremost, Megan, it's your first time on the show. So please, um, and a very, very unique name you have. Uh, you know, I bet a lot of people are like, you know, what, the Megan Fox? Um, but, uh, but yeah, but it's your first time on the show. Uh, please tell us, you know, about yourself, you know, uh, just about, you know, your career and how it all started, your adventures. Uh, and definitely want to talk about your books about uh, exposing the Me Too and kind of squashing that crap. Well, I am a writer at PJ Media. I've been a writer for many years. I do reporting, journalism, and opinion writing. I've been doing that first for David Horowitz several years ago at Front Page Magazine and oh, wow. um, Real Real News Blog also. Yeah, David's a great guy. And then uh, when Real News Blog shut down, I went over to PJ Media, and I've been there ever since, probably for the last seven or eight years, um, with you know the great Roger Simon and Glenn Reynolds, um, who wrote An Army of Davids, which really is a book that you know, changed my life, made me realize after working in, I did work in major media before at um, ABC Radio and Disney Radio mm-hmm. and uh, ESPN and, and WLS. And so I had an, a background in major media, but realized that the new media was the place to be um, with an army of Davids, um, like Glenn Reynolds had written about. And now I work for Glenn's company, which is really fun. And recently, um, you know, I've written a couple books and, um, I have four out there that have my name on them. But uh, recently I have written a book called Believe Evidence, uh, The Death of Due Process from Salome to Hashtag Me Too. And um, this book is, I believe, very important for the time that we find ourselves in where wild accusations are thrown around and they seem to wield the same kind of power as, um, you know, a conviction. And it really, what kicked it off for me was the Kavanaugh confirmation hearings. Uh, The Kavanaugh confirmation circus was such a nightmare. I mean, I believe uh, one of our senators called it an intergalactic freak show, which I think is the perfect description to what happened to Brett Kavanaugh. And and he went from being at the top of his game in his life, very respected and never had anyone say anything bad about this man, to losing his job at Harvard, um, being almost losing his job coaching his children's basketball game. Um, It's like if we hadn't had him sit on the Supreme Court, he would not be fit to do anything else after they got through with him. And I'm talking about the Senate Democrats like um, Booker and Harris and uh, Feinstein, who dragged women out from underneath rocks to accuse this man of things that no one could prove was true. And in this time of Me Too, you know, everyone wants to just, we should, there's even a hashtag. It says, believe women. We want to believe all women who say they've been raped. Well, I've got news for you. Women lie. And they lie all the time. And they lie lie about rape. And they lie about, they lie to put men in prison. They lie to murder men. They lie to do all sorts of terrible things to men. And ignoring that fact 
is a real danger to all of the men in your life, your fathers, your sons, your daughters. Everyone who has a man in their life is in danger of this happening to them. Um, And so believe evidence. I go through history from ancient history in literature and also history, uh, biblical history and also others, um, laying out the, all the famous women, uh, or I should say infamous, who lied to either have men murdered or killed. And then we, in the second part of the book, I go to the modern day where I give example after example of women who destroyed the lives of men and are, have, were put into prison or committed suicide because of it. Wow. Yeah, wow. Wow. Um, very nice. Uh, keep, I mean, keep going. Keep going. That's Okay, great. Uh, and I should add that then at the end of the book, there is a really great – I can keep going all night. Don't worry. There's, at the end of the book, <laughs> I bet you there, can. Is, um, there is a real how-to, um, and it's not just a, hey, look at these women, look how bad they are, but I really try to give real advice to mothers out there, um, of sons especially. Um, that's really my focus is to mothers of sons and also to uh, men in general, and especially young men going off to college what can you do to protect yourself from these types of lying gorgons, you know, who will destroy you? And I call it how to harpy proof your son. Um, and, you know, you need to stay away from these hysterical harpies. And there are things you can do that will limit your exposure um, to these women. And now it's unfortunate. Now, Tucker Carlson had me on his show uh, in September to talk about this because I wrote an article called, and this is what started the whole project, it was called, how to Christine Blasey Ford proof your son. And it went really viral. Um, and I got a, I, I, next thing I know, I was in a car being whisked away to a Fox studio to talk to Tucker Carlson, which was just the greatest moment of my life. And, That's um, awesome. And, uh, I know. It was really, really cool. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to pretend <laughs> like I'm, I'm too cool. Um, it was really an incredible experience. And Tucker um, – he was he was shocked. He was like, "How can you say this about women? How can you? How, you're a woman. How can you say that you don't trust women?" I mean, that had him falling out of his chair laughing when I said, "Don't trust women." But men, yeah. and he pointed this out. Men have an innate desire to trust women, and I think, yep. and that's unfortunate for you mm-hmm. guys because, you know, that yep. if your if your guard's not up, you could be really harmed. And I think that we need right. to train our sons and talk to men in our lives about how there are some women who will destroy you mercilessly on purpose, you know, and it it happens. It happens all the time. If you want some examples, it's evil. It's evil. It's so evil. It's incredibly evil. What about Abigail? What about Abigail Williams? Abigail Williams during the Salem witch trials was responsible for the deaths of nine people including animals like this one was unbelievable. Yes. She lied about, she lied about so much that caused a travesty of justice in our country that we're seeing yep. happen all over again. Um, right. How about Victoria Price? Ever heard of Victoria Price? Victoria Price was one of two girls who lied about uh, nine boys, black boys in Scottsboro, Alabama. Yep. That was a they famous said, one. Yep. They said, mm-hmm, they said that they were raped by these boys. All nine of them lost their entire lives to prison time. Right. They were convicted and tried and convicted yes. in three days 
by a yeah, lynch and mob. I mean, yeah, and I remember I remember that story, and it's interesting because the Democrats want to say they care about you know minorities, uh, but that's one that's one example right there. If their whole motto is "Believe All Women," then that story should be brought up every single time they say that crap because innocent lives of men get you know thrown away because of these false and stupid accusations by how, like certain. I'm not I'm not going to use any you know. Uh, uh, Ebonics words, but some of these, you know, nasty, nasty females. I don't, I don't want to use any, use any bad language, but, uh, but you know what I mean. It, it's. Uh, I'll give you some. I'll give you some scary. words. Shrew, harpy, you know, wretch. You know, there's a lot of words you can use to describe these women. Smelly and twat. Are, I, you know, we can use a lot of things. <laughs> um, but no, <laughs> it, it's um, you know, it's one of those things that we. Uh, Oh, my God. You know, it drives me nuts. And it's all about the feminism movement. It's all about the Me Too. And, and I looked at Me Too as a trend. You know, I think a lot of these girls saw these women in Hollywood and around making these accusations and, and coming forward with their stories. And then other women were like, oh, I want to be like them. So I don't care if I'm lying. I'm just going to, you know, do it so I'm a part of the trend. Does that make sense? It did become a way to kind of get your name in the paper, that's for sure. And I think that what started out with a noble, um, you know, intention, because let's face it, those tapes that came out with her about Harvey Weinstein and the evidence against him was pretty yeah. bad. Um, and, yeah. you know, some of the guys who were exposed in the Me Too thing appeared to really deserve it. But what it morphed into was just the ability for any woman to hurl any yeah. accusation at any man and be believed yep, because it was her, her truth. Oh my God. Very true. If there's one thing, if there's one thing in the year 2019 that I never want to hear again, it's, it's my truth. I'm sorry, honey, but there yeah. is only one truth. There is not your truth yeah. and my truth. There's one exactly. truth and somebody is lying and someone is lying. Right. We cannot just throw lying right. out the window because you want us to believe your truth. No, 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 no. That's yeah. not how it works. <laughs> and let, let's, let's face is a thing. Yeah, let's face it here. Let's face it here. The people that are getting false accusations thrown at them is a slap in the face and a fuck you to the 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 victims that have been assaulted, the ones that never got their justice, the ones that actually did have to right. go through the suffering and deal with that sort of thing. Pam, go That's ahead. That's right. Hi, Megan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Um, we all know basically the birth of the Me Too movement started with Harvey Weinstein when the story broke on October 5th of 2017. But I'm not sure what many people remember is nine days before that, on the September 27th, Hugh Hefner passed away. If you all know, Hugh Hefner was the, the father mm -hmm. of Playboy, Playboy, which has trained men to completely view women as objects and therefore there for their pleasure. Now, when Hefner died, Hollywood just praised him as just such this wonderful guy for women's rights and the freedom while he's basically training our men and boys to look at us like sex objects. And then uh. nine days later, Harvey Weinstein dies, and all of a sudden every woman is a victim. I'd like your perspective on that kind of angle of it well it's really interesting that you brought that up because i actually do address this in the book um there there is a really big disconnect 
okay, between what the, the women, the feminist movement wants to tell us now that they believe and what the feminist movement has told us for years that they believe, okay? And let's look at the difference. Uh, we have a bunch of women who run around wearing vagina costumes. They literally put on genitalia. They walk around in public. They <laughs> hold signs. I don't even want to smell them. I don't even want to smell those people. They're, they're, they have slut walks where they celebrate being sluts, and they walk around either naked or just barely clothed, where they, their message is that they're allowed to look as slutty as they want, and no one is supposed to give them any attention whatsoever. Yep. You know, they claim that it's an anti-rape march, but what it really is is a, you know, let's try and trap you into giving me attention that I can then say is sexual harassment. You know, it's just, it's nuts. Um, So these women, they're supposed to be sexually liberated. They've told us for years that they love sex workers. Um, They starting back in the second wave feminists in the sixties, they wanted all women to get divorced. They said that, that marriage was uh, oppressive and that they should chase the big O, you know, the orgasm was worth everything. It was worth throwing your family away for it. it was worth throwing your children away for it was worth anything to be sexually liberated that's what we were told okay so that going going into the me too movement going into the me too movement we we know that feminists are totally pro-sex which is why they're totally pro-abortion at any time for any reason uh because you should just be go get your get your freak on girl that's their that's their (laughs) motto now here comes the me too now actually before before the me too movement here comes trump Trump wins the presidency and the feminists lose their damn minds. I say this all the time, though. The feminists should thank him because Me Too would have never been exposed if it wasn't for him. Well, that's true. But look at what they did, though. Look at what started the Women's March. I don't know if anyone really knows what started the Women's March, but I've studied it and I know. Scan the Women's March were Trump's comments to Billy Bush on that bus about grabbing. Grab him by the pussy, baby. Okay, I can say it. All right, so Trump tells Billy Bush that because he's a wealthy billionaire, there are lots of loose women who throw themselves at him. And let him, and the exact words he used, was he's right, though. He's, he's the, right. He's totally right. He's totally right. It's a totally truthful statement. Let's be honest. If we're talking about women, and we all know yeah. women who will do yeah. anything to be on the arm of a wealthy man. Come on. Stop. Just stop. Yeah. Everyone Kathleen stop Harris. with this. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, there's so many of them. There's so many of them. So now they are the women of the feminist left who have always been pro-sex and pro and pro-debauchery now get up on their high horse and they get offended and affronted that a sexually active man is sexually active you've got to be kidding me so they start this march they start this march complaining that a sex a a well-known playboy that everyone knows for his sexual virility they, they get upset that this guy, that this guy who's well-known for running around with playmates, I mean, we've all known this, but we, did, we didn't yeah. learn anything new about Donald Trump. Okay, everyone's been watching right. him my whole life. Right. He's been running around with yes. playmates forever. This is no surprise. Yes. But they find yeah. that they, this all of a sudden, they start marching on Washington because a sexually active man was with women sexually. Yeah. That's really what it was about. And to make right. it worse, to make the hypocrisy yeah. even worse. They make the symbol of their march the pussy hats that they stick on their heads. So now we are supposed to believe that these women are offended by the word pussy. They're offended by the idea that a man likes pussy or wants to grab it or women or does it with women who let him. 
yet they put one on their heads and they march around like fools. <laughs> this is absurd. And so I hope yes. that addressed your question uh, because I, I, to me, I saw a huge hypocrisy between what the feminists said they were and what they have now become. And now they've all become this, the Me Too prudes. You know, mm-hmm. the well, same Hollywood ahead. starlets who well, are lying around on the like you said, Sorry, I'll I'm... throw this in real quick. A lot of those Me Too people love to have their picture taken with Donald Trump until he went down the elevator in 2015. Of course they did. Josh, and then look at all yeah, the yeah, Me we, Too we girls. Josh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'll be, I'll be brief. First off, I love the book title. It's fantastic. And, I mean, here's the deal. And the fact that people would say believe – People, someone because of race, gender, uh, anything. Believe them because of they're in a specific group is absolutely ridiculous. You shouldn't believe all women. You shouldn't believe all men. You shouldn't believe all whites. You shouldn't believe all Asians. You shouldn't believe all people who dress up as Barney and I, whatever the frick. You shouldn't believe any group of any for any reason because they're in a group. And the fact that the left is pushing that is so absurd. And especially, you know, they're not even pushing the idea of a, a, a smaller group of, you know, they're not even saying uh, believe all, uh, you know, people that have been sexually assaulted and the perpetrator, you know, is punished in court. So they're, you know, they're, they're a real sexual assault person. That's not what they're saying. They're not even saying a specific group like that. They're not even saying, you know, believe all people who have had abortions because they know more than you. They don't say that. They say believe all women. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, uh, whether you have a reason to yeah. believe or not, they say to believe you because of what gender you are, and it's absurd. Uh, I'm in complete agreement. It's crazy. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I, have, I cover in the book also is that um, along with harpy-proofing your son and keeping your son away from these types of women, I also have a chapter about harpy-proofing your daughters and how to keep your daughters from becoming the kind of woman who would do this to a man, who would who would put her own self-preservation before truth and honesty and goodness. And, um, you know, I, I see a lot in the Me Too movement of these women who are just completely self-obsessed. They're completely obsessed with their own. I don't really think they're that sincere. I saw so many of them who we have seen for years running around on the Golden Globes red carpet, practically naked, wearing naked dresses and showing nipples and cracks and everything else that no one really wants to see. And yet then they go, they go to the Oscars one year or whatever award show it was where they give themselves awards. And during the Me Too thing, and they all buttoned up, you know, high-necked black dresses. They were all in solidarity, you know. It was just so great. This was their time to be taken seriously, and we're not going to be used for our bodies anymore. And at the very next uh, Golden Globes Awards, this last one, they were all naked again, you know. (laughs) These women want to tell us how to behave sexually. They have no boundaries. They have no... These are women who don't even know how to police their own behavior and how to, they, they have no way not to look like sex goddesses. And they want us to not see them in a sexual way. What are they hide? They've been doing their entire career out of female <laughs> sex true. on a stick. Very true. Doc, Dr. Bustler, um, if you have a question, uh, and then uh, we do, we do have to go to commercial in a sec, but Dr. Bustler, go ahead. You know, I, I was just going to add, um, um, much of this turns out to be a, a, a very delicate problem. I mean, uh, some incident occurs 
there's generally no witnesses to it. Um, the man has his view of things. The woman has her view of things. Usually the truth is, uh, or oftentimes the truth is sort of somewhere in between. Um, you, you don't certainly don't want to uh, accuse a, a man of doing something he really didn't do. Um, on the other hand, uh, if the, the um, woman has a legitimate gripe uh, and something did uh, occur, uh, you certainly want to give her her voice. Um, there's no witnesses to any of this, so it becomes a very delicate situation. Well, actually, um, you know, I don't think it's delicate at all, and let me tell you where I no. disagree with you. Uh, the truth is not in between most of the time. In every single incident that I, uh, story that I have told in this book, the truth is either on his side or on her side. In every single case, these women have lied 100% about what happened. They told the absolute other opposite story. Um, and so I believe that truth is not always in between. I think sometimes, and the majority of the time, someone is telling the truth and someone is lying. And the only way to find that out appropriately is in a court of law with evidence admissible in court. And yes, victims or people who claim to be victims deserve to have their day in court. So that's why there's a chapter in my book about how to help your daughter if she's ever a victim of a crime. If you are a victim of a crime, you must go to the police immediately. You must go to the hospital for a rape kit. You must come forward immediately. You cannot wait 30 years or no one will believe you. Well, well said. We, we do need to go to commercial. Uh, please uh, tell us where they can find your book, Megan. It's on Amazon. It is Believe Evidence, the Death of Due Process from Salome to Hashtag Me Too. And uh, it's on there now. It's trending number one in the new release category in feminist theory of all categories. So <laughs> we, I could, and it's on sale for 99 cents right now for the Kindle right. version on pre-sale. So get it because it's not going to be this price uh, come Friday. Very good. Well, we're going to have you, we're going to have you back uh, early, ne- early next week. Um, we have a lot more to talk about. Unfortunately, we are uh, running uh, low on time, so I do need to let you go. But I will uh, get you back on next week, and thank you for coming on. Thanks, Rory. All right. Take care. Bye. We'll be right back, everybody. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, Please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. We are back. Um, We got a lot to get into. Um, You know, there's so much going on. I want to... I want to get into what's really been going on and what's really been bothering a lot of people, and that's this Russia investigation. Um, just a lot of gibberish, a lot of crap. Uh, we know that you know, they're opening up investigations and stuff that isn't even – it doesn't have any merit. Democrats are doing this just to see what every little thing they can get on Trump. And they're not even focusing on Russia or collusion so much anymore. Now they're going to his personal bank accounts, everybody. Yes, you heard that right. They are going into his personal life. They're going into his 
past transactions. They're going into his bank account. They're going into what his kids have done. I mean, it, it's like it never ends. And I got to play this quick clip from Carter Page earlier today. He was on Fox News. And Carter Page is probably one of the nicest guys and very honest, very straightforward. And even everybody says the last person they would ever think that would be a part of this lie would be Carter Page because uh, he, he would never do anything wrong. Here, uh, one four. Uh, Carter, good to have you with us tonight. Thanks for being here. So you received this letter. Are you going to comply? Are you going to turn over all of the information that they're asking you for, which has to do with the Trump Tower meeting in 2016 and a lot of other things? What's so funny about it, Martha, is I've been complying for the last two-plus years, right? And a lot of these same questions are the things that were already wiretapped uh, and hacked off of my uh, private emails going back to uh, earlier in 2016. So So you feel like between the FISA warrant that was cleared four times to listen to your phone calls and the Mueller investigation, how many times did you talk to the Mueller folks? Well, I typically don't, uh, out of respect for those proceedings, I don't talk about it, but since it was leaked to the New York Times and Washington Post that I spoke with them in November of 2017, I and they haven't called you or contacted you again since November of 2017. Uh, no. So they, they appear to have gotten what they want from you. Well, I gave them everything, you know. Again, they had already been through all of my personal records, you know, had through, as we've learned, with Spygate and all these other... Uh, I mean, the conventional records. wisdom is that they, they got nothing from you, right? I mean, I mean can, you, can you affirm that? There is nothing to get, right? And I, I was being... <laughs> so careful with every, everything I've done. So here, here's Andrew McCabe, who was asked about the controversial FISA warrant, um, because he himself testified at one point that they couldn't have really gotten it without the dossier. Uh, he, he said he turned over everything they needed to turn over. Watch it. I think everyone was satisfied that we had represented that accurately and adequately in the package. Um, the court was obviously satisfied. They signed it, what, three or four times? I was laughing at that because Adam Goldman from the New York Times that he had that interview with, he used to grill me constantly throughout 2017, you know, and now he's close friends and has has this softball interview with him. So, I mean, it's just absolutely outrageous, some of these comments. of the media treatment, I'm about to talk to Joe DeGenera, and he says that you should sue everybody from McCabe to Comey to Clapper to some in the media as well. Will you do that? I'm planning on it, yes, absolutely. And, you know, the, the Democrats have thus far been completely stonewalling the uh, initial litigation that I've been involved with. Catherine Rumler, who's the head of the uh, DNC's team in Oklahoma, you know, I was in Oklahoma over the weekend, who's the head of the uh, DNC's team in Oklahoma. You know, I was in Oklahoma over the weekend, get a lot of support from people, uh, my old colleagues, but, you know, we'll have to see. So far, we have a couple of uh, motions, or I, pro se, have a uh, motion outstanding. We'll see how that plays out. But, you know, I, I'm confident that as these, uh, the information can, continues to come out there, it'll be clear that, you know, there was a lot of wrongdoing, but wrongdoing on their side. Were you surprised at all to be on this list, get this letter? I'm always happy. Nothing, surprised. <laughs> Nothing will surprise me. So there you have it. Um, Dr. Bustler, you know, we know what's going on here. You got Nadler over in the uh, Congress opening up a lot of these unnecessary 
ridiculous and, quite frankly, invasion of privacy investigations, as long as well as it's harassment in a sense. But what are your thoughts on all this, Dr. Buffler? I mean, we're, we're dealing with something that they didn't find what they wanted on Russia, so now they're going to go outside the box, the left. Yeah, keep, keep in mind uh, the Democrats still haven't gotten over the fact that Trump won the election. And literally from his first, Trump's first day in office, uh, they were ready to impeach him. Maxine Waters was screaming literally from the first day in office, impeach 45. Um, so all they're really concerned about is getting Trump out of office as, um, as quickly as they can. Um, they got, they figured with a special prosecutor, they always find something. So they figured uh, that was their best shot. Um, Mueller's report will be out, and all indications are it's going to pretty much clear Trump. I think the Democrats know that. So the next move is uh, let's investigate all of his financial dealings. You, you, you know, um, so they've subpoenaed, or they haven't subpoenaed, they've requested records from these 81 or 82 people. Um, it'd be very interesting to see how they respond to this. Um, I imagine yeah. there'll be a court challenge, whether Congress even uh, has the right to do this. Um, and then I'm thinking, well, w- what happens if they just say, no, we're not going to give it to you? Well, the next thing is they'll get subpoenaed. Um, and then suppose they say, well, we're going to ignore the subpoena. And then the next step is you're in contempt of, of Congress. Um, and based on what I've seen, uh, contempt of Congress doesn't mean anything. Uh, you may recall Eric Holder um, was supposed to turn over documents from Fast and Furious the to Congress yeah. That, yeah, that were subpoenaed. Uh, he didn't turn them over. He was held in contempt of Congress, and nothing happened. <laughs> so it would be very interesting to see what plays out here. Part of the problem, too, is um, if these people say we're, we aren't going to give these to you because this is overreach and it's ridiculous and we've already gone through all this, um, certainly legitimate reasons, but the way the, the um, mainstream media will play this and the Democrats is, well, look, they won't turn over everything we're asking for, so they must be hiding something. And they'll start to play on, on that. So it's a difficult position for these uh, for the Republicans to be in. It'll be interesting to see how yeah. this plays out. Yeah, you very well said, Dr. Bussler. I have a lot of thoughts on this, but I'm, I'll go to Pam and then I'll go to Josh. Um, the GOP, Republicans, are, are they're always concerned about setting a precedent. Whenever they do anything, setting a precedent. And I think that is important for them to have in mind. However, why is no one calling the Democrats out on what they're doing now? They're setting a precedent. Next Democrat president that gets in office, we need to, we need to tell them, all right, are you telling us that we can put them under endless investigations with absolutely yeah. no, no show that anything was done? We're just going to do a fishing trip for, for the whole four years they're in office. Um, but this this is their agenda for the next two years. This is all they got in the GOP, and I'm sure Trump is going to do it. If Trump has proven himself, he will. But the GOP needs to jump on this and show the American people that the Democrats don't have any ideas. They don't have any any thoughts or policies for the future that are doing any good for the country. It is just this stalemate, and they need to run on that. And I do think 
if this is the country that I think it is and middle America stands up, they're not going to deal with two more years of this and reward the Democrats for it. Yeah, no way. No way. Uh, Josh, go ahead. Yeah, you know, this is what the Democrats are doing right now. They are crawling and scratching and trying to get something here out of nothing. I mean, they have the, the real problem here is if they had something, it wouldn't be that big of a deal, but they have nothing. So they're in this position where they have to they have to subpoena people uh, for documents that they hope will provide some sort of grounds for impeachment. See, the thing is, their goal is in, their goal is to get rid of Trump. They want to impeach him, and they have nothing to go off of that's legitimate, and they have to keep fishing for it. Now, obviously, now with control of Congress, they at least have the means to be able to potentially have the votes to impeach him. But here's the deal: they have to find something to impeach him on first. So they're just trying so, 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 so hard. They haven't found anything yet. Uh, I wish them the absolute worst of luck, obviously. Um, but, you know, it'd be, it'd be real nice if maybe they would focus on, um, you know, policy that would help the country move forward in many different facets of life instead of attacking uh, the president, who honestly agrees with them on a lot of things. But because they keep pushing against him, they have given him no opportunity to, you know, right. come across the aisle and get things done. And and this is how silly it is. Let me tell you how silly it is. The Democrats are now preparing congressional hearings over Trump saying fake news. They're they're going out of their goddamn minds. Are you serious? Out of him just saying fake news, they're throwing investigations into that. They are wasting taxpayers' money on petty bullshit. Excuse my French, but let's face the facts here. All they want to do is impeach Donald Trump. They don't want him in there. You know, obviously there were people that voted for these these Congress people and these Senate people that, you know, have the uh, agenda that they want to impeach Trump. But the other people that voted them in actually want them to work on policy instead of chasing these witch hunts. So, like I said many times on the show, I think 2020 comes around, and these people uh, on the left are in trouble because Trump's not going to be impeached. They're not going to get what they want. The, the witch hunt, they'll still be chasing. Uh, it's just a never-ending cycle. Dr. Bustle, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you, you know, uh, it, it is um, basically a witch hunt, as we know, and they do want to get rid of Trump. The, the, the problem is, and I, I tell you, I think Pam brings up a, a great point. This really is a precedent. If the Democrats are going to do this just because they don't like the Republican president, then, yes, it could be a, pres- a precedent that the Republicans could do the same thing. And I certainly hope that doesn't happen, but uh, it, 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 it could. The thing with investigations, and it, it's, it's part of the reason why Trump – uh, won't release his, his tax returns. And if I was him, I wouldn't release them either. Um, right. The reason is uh, when you have business that complex, um, mm-hmm. if somebody's going through with a fine tooth comb, you're going to find one I that wasn't dotted and a T that wasn't crossed. And suddenly they'll, they'll turn that into something that's huge. Uh, the other thing is in, in business, um, everything doesn't always go well. Now Trump has been very successful He's got um, numerous projects that are doing have done extremely well, and a couple of things uh, don't work out as well. 
look, I live uh, down beach from Atlantic City, so I know what happened to him, and he had some misfortunes here in um, right. Atlantic City. And when that, that happens, projects go yeah. bad, people lose money. Right. Uh, he lost everything yeah. he invested. Um, but what will happen if he gives his tax returns and he's showing somebody there's a write-off of something – the Democrats will blow that up. Look, Trump doesn't pay this guy, and Trump doesn't pay that guy, and he's a horrible businessman, a terrible person, and we need to impeach him for that. And let, let, let's, let's say something that's really good right now, that uh, it was just announced today that William Barr will not recuse himself from the investigation. Hallelujah. Thank you, William Barr. Thank God you're not a little pipsqueak like Sessions, who uh, should have never recused himself. Uh, also... Uh, another big thing is that uh, McCarthy is calling on Adam Schiff to resign, to recuse himself from the Russia probe, and that is actually absolutely appropriate and necessary, considering the fact that Adam Schiff was giving Michael Cohen uh, all these different answers and you know setting him up and preparing him for the testimony last week. I mean, it was all set up. What are your thoughts, Dr. Butler? Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, Sean Hannity has a, a, a an audio tape of Adam Schiff uh, colluding yeah. <laughs> with a, a Russian operative, uh, so he should clearly recuse himself. I don't know if he uh, – there could be some charges against him. Talk about um, collusion, and they haven't found anything on the Trump side, but, I mean, that tape that Hannity has is clearly uh, collusion. Um, so he should recuse himself uh, at the very least and uh, maybe maybe go um, a little bit further and uh, maybe some action should be taken against them. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, we do have a few minutes left. I do want to move on to the next topic, but I do want people, anybody on the line right now, if they have any final thoughts on this, please go ahead. Yeah, Rory, real quick. I want to talk real quick about, you know who else hasn't released their tax returns? Uh, a certain guy who's running for president here in 2020 named Bernie Sanders. He also has not released his <laughs> Bernie, hey, Bernie! Um, Bernie, what's <laughs> Bernie? I mean, and let's be honest. The reason he hasn't done that is because, you know what? Bernie makes a lot of damn money. And and, and he claims to be this socialist. Three homes, Why don't you three houses, preach, Audi R8, Ferrari, you name it. All he does is he doesn't practice what he preaches. Everybody else use Absolutely. socialism, but me, let me get all my houses and cars. That's what Bernie's mindset is. Yep. I would like to just comment that if you go to the doctor and you have a really bad infection that's down in the skin, sometimes they can give you antibiotics, but sometimes to get the infection out, you have to cut the skin with a knife and let the infection boil Oof. up to the surface, come Oof. out, and then it can heal. The Democratic Party, or at least I should say the, the liberal progressive part, the alt-left of the Democratic Party, is that infestation. And Donald Trump is the knife. Because yes. this was festering. How many, how many decades has this been festering? And it took somebody like Donald Trump where their hatred just became so severe that they couldn't help but be brought to the surface. And, and I, I just keep praying that it is it comes to the surface it is being revealed and we yep. can finally heal from the, we we can get rid of the infection we've got to get rid of the infection yep. and then we can heal from all righty very very well said um <laughs> you know a couple things couple things i want to announce 
Um, obviously, a great article out today. Washington Post is now walking back their smears on the Covington kids uh, after the $250 million lawsuit was thrown out there. So <laughs> the Washington Post is in big trouble. There's no doubt about it. And I really think the way that this Covington uh, kid with his lawyer is suing all these different media companies, uh, this is going to wake these media companies up to – you know, some of the things they can and cannot do. I mean, I'm not saying they, you know, they'll completely stop fabricating, but at the same time, there should be a wake-up call and uh, a basically a life lesson, uh, you know, basically saying you can't uh, make up fake stories about people. Otherwise, your company is going to get sued, and we're going to get all these, all these dollars from you and drain you. Because if you really look at the story and the premise – of what these Covington kids have on these, these various uh, liberal media outlets, they have a lot. And these liberal media outlets constantly, not just the Washington Post in the last couple of days, but a lot of them have been walking back their stories. Uh, th this is really going to set the narrative and set the standard, I think, for uh, what uh, proper reporting should look like. And if anybody ever disobeys that, they're going to have to suffer this kind of consequence. What do you think, Dr. Bustler? Do you think this could really – uh, make a make a statement. Absolutely, uh, somebody has got to hold these journalists accountable. What what you're supposed to do um, when you you uh, find out when you hear about some news, you're supposed to verify it. Always get two sources before you end up publishing uh, anything. Today, they just want to be the first. It doesn't matter whether yep. you're accurate. They just want to be the first one out. With the, with the news, and when it turns out to right. be inaccurate, oh, so what? And we'll worry, we'll do something else tomorrow to, to break some, some news. This attorney, uh, uh, I don't remember his name, Lynn, I forget his last name, uh, is, is holding uh, the, uh, the media industry accountable. And I, I think he's going to be successful in his suits. And you're right, Rory, the media is going to have to say, hey, we better be a little careful before we do things uh, like BuzzFeed puts out the dossier before they knew it was even right. verified and BuzzFeed's come out with a couple of things like that. And there's no accountability. In fact, they don't even retract half the things that they say are, are wrong um, and yeah. they get away with it. Well, what, starting with these lawsuits, people aren't going to get away with it anymore. Josh, I'm sure you have some thoughts on this whole uh, topic. I didn't get to you on this yet. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, here's the deal, and I've said this on this show before, that we have a lack of, of actual investigative journalists, and we have a plethora of, uh, of activists, uh, you know, and, and, and activists that claim to be journalists. I mean, here's the deal. When, especially in result of BuzzFeed, I mean, good Lord, they, uh, they claim to be a news agency when everything they put out is is just propaganda in all reality, and even the stuff that is actually true, they'll they'll even twist the stuff that's true to make it even more the way that they want it to be. I mean, we have, uh, like I've said in this show before, like I just said, we have a lack of investigative journalists, the real kind, and we have a ton of investigative, uh, you know, uh, people who will go out and just look for things to smear the other side with, even if the story isn't true. If it fits their narrative, they're running with it. Yeah, very true. Uh, Pam, go ahead. 
I believe the lawyer, when he uh, was getting things ready, he said, retract now or the lawsuits are coming, and they didn't. So the fact that he's yeah. now suing and they're trying to retract at this point, it's a little too late. They've, they've, let, they've made their bet. It's time to lie in it. Plus, we had Nancy Absolutely. Pelosi, if you guys were if you guys remember there was a video and she was talking about how well you you put the news out there and somebody writes a story on it and then you take that and you tell the FISA guy the FISA judge hey look this is being reported on so it's valid and she basically revealed the whole cycle that they do to do fake news um so it, it again it's another one of those things where it's it's bubbling to the surface and it's finally being revealed, and I think people are waking up to it. And then you also have the uh, gentleman from that was hit at Berkeley. I cannot remember his name right now, but um, he's being sued as well, according to to Trump. Or I mean, he's suing the yeah. the agitator. Um, that's yeah. the only thing they know. That's how they win: is they sue conservatives. They but, sue um, the the uh, freedom freedom from religion. They sue the churches. They sue people. To get their way. Well, it's time yep. for us to fight fire yep. with fire and fight them with what they know, and that's lawsuits. Yeah, it's, it's a new time. It's a new time, and uh, we have about three minutes left. I want to say, uh, just announce a few things. Let's see here. I'm going through my notes. Um, God, uh, I'll tell you, AOC is the biggest hypocrite on the face of the earth. You know, the, the sponsor of the Green New Deal, the, the headmaster of it, she has spent $29,000 on Gus Gasler's Gas Guzzler rideshare services. And uh, it just goes to show these socialists only uh, tell other people what to believe, but they don't practice what they preach. And you know what's really bothering me is that Bernie Sanders hired an illegal alien – to um, as his deputy press secretary for his campaign. If that was a Republican, if that was anybody else, uh, every, the, the media would crucify them. But Bernie Sanders gets away with it. Uh, you know what? The double standard and, and just I think Bernie Sanders is obviously doing this maliciously. There's no other way to describe it. I mean, you know, he wants immigrants here. He wants illegals here. He's made that clear. Um, you know, I it, it drives me nuts. Uh, Mike Peters, what do you think, man? Oh, sorry about that. I was I didn't ever know if you you knew I was here. Great. Uh, first off, I want to thank you. You did a great job tonight. This is a really interesting show all the way around. Broad spectrum, covered a lot thank of bases. Thank you, man. Great, great show. And uh, I think accountability with the media and everything else. I, I agree a million percent with everybody that's out there. Whether it's lawsuits that does it. Or just outright embarrassment and costing them money because of they're losing their ratings. And that'll bring them to the reality when they start realizing, wait a minute, we're rated at what now? Why is that? Yeah. It's because your audience is tired of it. We're fed up with it. Yeah. And yeah. hit them in the pocketbook, whether it's a lawsuit or otherwise, yeah. and there'll be a difference. Yeah, and you look, at, you look at all the social crap that the left has tried to throw at us. I mean, the whole thing with transgenders in the military, and a report today yeah. said that it, the whole transgender thing, they, you know, no matter what the left says and how, how much the outrage, it doesn't matter the outrage, they're not going to change their mind. I mean, it's final. Transgenders are not allowed in the military, 
And I think that's a good, a good rule because I'll tell you why. The main reason is it's not a, a social experiment going into the military. When you have transgenders, you have hormone, you have mind problems, you have psychological issues with these people. It's just not safe when you're going to combat. You know what I mean? No, 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 it's, it's, it's not. Whether they want to, and even the medical issues and everything, how many millions has cost the government already? To babysit, they're not there to babysit them. I mean, I've I've had I've had guys that uh, give you a perfect example. It was an infantry. Yeah, unit you were you were you were a high you were higher up in the military. No, no, no. We we're government contractors. We feed military. My wife and I. But a perfect oh. example. I had one soldier that before, you know, the war broke out. This kid every morning would only eat egg whites, and he was very finicky and very okay. Now this he wasn't transgender or anything, but just to show you the differences in mindset. <laughs> Catering to them, and I, I, I took care of him. You know, okay, fine. He just wants egg whites, and now he got deployed. He ended up in the northern part of Iraq, up there for a year, in the middle of nowhere. He came home after a year. <clears throat> so first breakfast, when they come home. I see him in line, and he gets up to, there, and and I said, okay, hold on, don't worry, let me make something up for you. And he looked at me, and said, Mike, no, 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 stop. He said, I outgrew that shit fast. Just throw the eggs on the grill. Yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. Reality has a way of changing, you know. So the the high fella, and look at this: do my eyelashes match with my outfit? That shit's not going to cut it. <laughs> no, I, I hear you. I hear when you. The, we uh, we are yeah. about out of time. I do want uh, the last, uh, you know, second. I do want to say real quick. I'm praying for all the people in Alabama. I know that hurricane. I know that. that well, it's a tornado. My bad. But the the, the disaster going on down there. I am praying for all of you. There are now reported 22 dead. Uh, not something I wish upon anyone. You know, my heart's with all all the families, all the friends uh, that are that have lost loved ones, that have lost their homes, that have lost their livelihood. Uh, it's just terrible. And you know what? I I pray. I really pray. Um, I do want to close out, Doctor Bustler. Please tell everybody where they can find you, and we'll have you back tomorrow. Yep, I'll be back tomorrow. And uh, my Twitter is at M-B-U-S-L-E-R. That's at M-B-U-S-L-E-R. And if you're on Facebook, I have a page there called Funding Democracy, facebook.com forward slash Funding Democracy. Or if you're on Facebook, just search Funding Democracy. All right, Dr. Bustle. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good night. Cheers. Um, Please, Josh, tell everybody. Oh, Pamela, please tell everybody where they can find you. My website is thefactspaper.com. You can find my blog there, and you can also find links that that help support the uh, conservative views of gun control or Second Amendment, um, abortion, uh, global global warming, all those certain things. Excellent. All right, Pamela, we'll see you tomorrow. Have a good night. Thanks. Uh, Josh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at J-O-S-H-H-L-A-V-A-T-Y. Appreciate it, Rory. Absolutely, man. We'll see you tomorrow. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Uh, It's been an amazing show. I want to thank all my special guests, all my audience, all my co-hosts, and my amazing sponsors. Remember, we are now listened to in 22 different countries, and we are on over 60 online platforms. So please check out our show. We're all over the Internet. Uh, Please visit the next N-E-X. Gen, G-E-N, USA.com uh, for our latest interviews, uh, past shows, 
uh, our updated articles that we're doing 24-7. A lot of great things there. Um, and yeah, we have so much to look forward to this week. I can't wait to bring you more good shows. Uh, tomorrow's show is going to be huge. Um, it, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, I want to thank, again, you guys are all amazing. Uh, thank you for tuning in to the Rory Sodder Show. I'm Rory Sodder. Have a great night, everybody. Cheers. We'll see you tomorrow. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.